0: Welcome to 7 Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Let's get together and say this. Um, Everybody came in here one way or the other. And you can hear the Word, and you can leave out better. You can ignore the Word, and you can leave out the same. You can just let it go right over your head. You can just sleep the whole time, not hear a single thing. You'll go home the same way you came in. But the idea is to hear the Word, receive the Word, let it penetrate that heart, get a revelation, get some answers to some questions, and leave better than you came. Amen? If we don't leave better than we came, you wasted your time. That's just the truth. We, we need to leave better every Sunday. Amen? So let's just say this. Let's make a declaration. and just, just, just Everybody get together and say, I'm leaving better. I'm leaving better. I'm leaving better. Amen. That's good. And any time we go and meet with somebody, talk with somebody, uh, have a friend at work, whatever is going on, you need to always leave them better than you found them. Speak some words of encouragement and be always be Christ-like, and they can act like a, you know what, horses, honey. And you can still be Christ-like and just leave them better than you found them. Amen. Now we don't always do that, do we? Sometimes we act like the horses, honey. But uh, the idea is to leave them better, and you'll leave better too. So anyway, we're going to get into the Word here. Uh, If you haven't been with us the last few weeks, actually it's four weeks ago. This will be the fourth week. We've been talking about prayer. And this will probably conclude the prayer series, I, I guess. I really don't know. I know I'm leaving here. Me and my family, after church, we're going to the beach and coming home and going down south to Clanton to preach Saturday, and then uh, back up here again Sunday, so I don't know what we'll get into Sunday, but it'll be good. And uh, uh, before I forget this, next week, August the 14th, 15th, and 16th, we're going to be having a men's conference. That's all ages, Uh, old to young, young to old, 14th, 15th, and 16th right here. So... um, Make plans to be here if you're a man. And uh, invite another man to come with you. On Friday, we're going to eat. You can use the food to lure them here. Seems to work pretty good. So, anyway, we're going get to get going here. I got a, I've got a question for you. I want you to answer this question. Don't answer the others. But this first one's real simple. Does God have all power? Yes. He does have all power. God has all power. And don't answer these. This is just a question. God has all power. Do we need to pray for Him to release it? What do we do? Do do we pray until you bother Him enough? I mean, these are things I've thought in in my mind and things that I've heard people preach about. Pray until you bother Him enough. Because in Luke 18, there's somebody bothering an unjust judge. And I heard a sermon the other day and thought you've lost your mind because it's saying if you bother God enough, He'll show up in your life because uh, the, the woman bothered the unjust judge enough till He finally did what her request was. Well, God's not an unjust judge. So you can't compare Him to the unjust judge because He's a just judge. Now, I understand the story, and I'm not getting into that story, but uh, you don't bother Him enough to get Him to move. Um... Do you talk him into it? Sweet-talk him? Bribe him? I've tried that before. Lord, if you can get me out of this, I'll live for you. I'll serve you. I'll never do that again. I'll change my ways if you can just... You know, sweet-talking. Right? I mean, just like sweet-talking a human being. Hey, Dad, if you can give me an advance on my allowance, I'll do this or do that. And we approach God the same way. Um, other things. Is there a certain amount of prayer for different situations? In other words, do I need to pray more to get God to show up in this situation because it seems really big to us? And this this one's small, so I can pray less for this situation. Well, The biggest situation that we could ever have, God can just flick His pinky and take care of it. A big situation to us is not a big situation to Him. Let me just go ahead and tell you that. Sickness and disease and any type of a relationship problem, any type of a money issue, you fixing to be bankrupt, lose everything you got, that's, that's a big deal on, on our scale. But as far as God's concerned, that's not that big of a deal. It's a real small thing. Do you understand? you all with me? So is there a certain amount of prayer for each situation? Do we earn answers? If I go to church every Sunday, maybe God will... Answer my prayer. If I tithe, if I'm a good person, if I pray, if I read the Word, He's keeping a tally, and, and if I can earn it, if I, can, I, can I just earn it? That's where most Christians are, as they try to earn it, because it starts from a childhood. You've got to earn everything. You've got to earn your allowance. You've got to earn your pay. You've got to earn a position on the ball field. You've got to earn an A, B, C, or D, or F. Whatever you earn, you earn it. We transfer that over into our Christian lives. And let me tell you, that's not the way God designed it. So, uh, I want you to understand some, some things right here before we get going. And like I said, we've been talking about prayer. And understanding a couple of things right here is going to help you to pray, okay? Y'all, y'all, y'all awake this morning? Good. Good. So I want to start off right here in Romans, the 5th chapter, the 17th verse. It says, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more of those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, for one man's offense death reigned. That's Adam, Eve. They made a mistake. Death reigned from that time on. Uh, death, we were, we were in a prison of sin. He couldn't get, get out of it. It says, but much more of those who receive the abundance of grace. Receive, that's a key word, receive the abundance of grace. Abundance means more than enough because where our sin abounds, grace much more abounds. You can't outsend the grace of God. You can't outsend the forgiveness. Amen? And the gift of righteousness, which tells you you can't work for it, it's a gift. How do you receive a gift? You hold your hands out and somebody puts a gift in your hand. It's personal. They give you a gift and you receive the gift. A lot of times we go, no, we can't take that or no, I hadn't earned that or I hadn't worked for that. It's a gift. You know, it feels good to give somebody a gift. You like it. It feels good to God. He likes to give you a gift. He did give you a gift His Son, Jesus Christ. He gave us forgiveness for our sins, didn't He? Um, but we received the abundance of grace. So where do I want to go from there? Um, well, I'll just stop there for a moment. So this thing that you receive, there is a, there's a, there's a war going on, a battle going on. We can use a football game for an example. Okay? God's a coach. Jesus is the quarterback. Holy Spirit, He's middle linebacker, maybe. They all out there. They all on the same team, though. Okay? So, we've been given these things. We've been given, it's a gift. It says, those who receive the abundance of grace. Well, you've got to get yourself in a position to receive these things. Just like a receiver, he can go out for a pass, and the quarterback can throw the ball, and it can hit him right between the eyes. It can hit him right between the numbers. It can wedge in his face mask. He's absolutely going to have to put his hands up. He's going to have to put his hands up and catch catch that thing. They're laughing. People don't know why. Well, I ripped my elbow off a few weeks ago. It's not hard. It's not it. You, You got to receive it. Amen? So how are you going to receive it? Well, first of all, Uh, just receiving God's Word, but look at it this way, in prayer and in studying the Word and being here this morning. See, there's a battle going on in your life. There's a spiritual battle going on and you got out of bed this morning and you're here. That means you're in the game and Jesus is on your team. God's a coach. Holy Spirit's on your team. You can't lose. You're going to win. But there's some people that don't engage in prayer, don't engage in the Word and they choose to sleep on Sunday morning. You're in the stands eating popcorn and drinking a Coke. And you're watching a team uh, experience victory, but you're not out there experiencing it. And you'll never get out there experiencing it when you stay up there in the stands. You've got to get into the game. You understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. there's some football nuts that go absolutely crazy. And I don't understand why you go so crazy because you ain't winning nothing. They're winning it. It's fun to watch. Yay! But I can't go and kill somebody because a bunch of 20-year-olds didn't win. I can't go cuss somebody out because a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds didn't win either. Anyway, we're not getting off on that, but be in the game. That's one of the first things I heard the Lord speak to me because we were talking about football and I can't remember the whole conversation. Well, actually, I can remember it, but that's too long. But anyway, first things He spoke to me was, that's all you do is watch. What He was saying is, you're not in the game. You're just watching the game. I remember very clearly. I know exactly where I was at. I was up here on Main Street sitting in the excavator digging the side of a hill down. And uh, I, mean, I heard it tangibly like he's in there with me. But anyway, it's a gift of righteousness, the abundance of grace. Now I want you to, to, to understand that. And in Ephesians, the first chapter, the fifth and sixth verse, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He... Uh, made us accepted in the beloved let me back up here he predestined us to adoptions as sons, sons and daughters guess what when you're born in this world your daddy was the devil but you're born again you've been adopted you've been adopted into a whole new family you're not of this world you're of a different kingdom you're in a different family and in that family guess what there's an inheritance it belongs to you don't you want everything that belongs to you I want everything that belongs to me. Um, In Ephesians, the first chapter, it says, the 11th verse, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. But the thing I want you to see right here is uh, we have obtained an inheritance. There's an inheritance. You should want it. I mean, if your father worked his entire life and he made millions of dollars... And he put it away in an account. And he passes away. And he left you the millions of dollars. Would you want it? Would you want it? Absolutely, you'd want it. Now, let's just say you're already a big, let's say you're Bill Gates. And his daddy left him a million dollars. Now you're not putting a value on the million dollars. But would you want it? I'd want it. You know why? Because my daddy left it for me. Cause I want it. I want what he. I want everything my daddy left for me. He left it for me. He wanted me to have it. I want it. So you need to look at it that way. That uh, as a child of God, you've been adopted into this new family, and um, we're supposed to reign in life. The very first scripture we read there about death reigned. we death's not supposed to reign. We're supposed to reign in life and be victorious. And if you look up the word reign. In the Greek, it's like basilio, and in the English translation, it's basilica, which means kingly judicial rule. We are supposed to have kingly judicial rule. We're supposed to reign in life. Why? Because we've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We've been adopted as sons and daughters, and we have an inheritance. We're supposed to reign in life. So this is it. If you're not reigning in life, if you're experiencing defeat in your health if you're experiencing defeat in your relationships, if you're experiencing defeat in your finances, if you're experiencing defeat in any area of your life, that is not the life that God intended for you to live. We are supposed to reign in life and we're supposed to be victorious over each and everything. He went to the cross and died so that we could do it. He gave us this gift called righteousness. He gave us the abundance of grace. We're supposed to reign in life as kings. So now, the reason I say all that is, when you go into praying with that mindset, a different mindset, I'm not scared. Wait a second. I'm a righteous man. I'm a righteous woman. I can enter boldly into the throne room of God because what Jesus did for me on the cross and the Scripture plainly says, now you can enter boldly into the throne room of God. I'm going in here. There's an inheritance and I want it. See, so many people approach this prayer and you don't approach prayer and you just feel unworthy. And why would He answer my prayer? Why would He do anything for me? Why this? Why that? And you're looking at yourself and you become sin conscious instead of Jesus conscious. Amen? Well, hopefully that'll help you. Knowing who you are and what belongs to you. Who you are in Christ and what belongs to you. Amen. Now, um, I want you to know God has deposited His power in us, and like Shekinah glory, that's saying all Your glory, all Your power, I want it to come reside right here in me. That's what you're saying, is to come right here and reside in me, come live in me. Come make your home right here in me. So when we're singing that song, that's what you're saying. All the power, everything you got for me, all the glory, all the righteousness, everything that belongs to me, come reside in me. That's what you're In essence, that's what you're saying when you're singing that song. And He has deposited His power in us. Let me show you in Luke 24, the 49th verse. It says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Carry until you're endued with power from on high. In the Acts in the first chapter, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you've accepted the Holy Spirit, this power is in you. It's right there in you. It's been deposited in you. It resides in you. You're not this little weak, feeble little something. In fact, he gave His power. He said, "Speak to a mountain, tell it to be moved." You can't do that without the power of God residing in you. He didn't say tell them. To, he didn't say ask me to tell the mountain to move. He said, "You tell the mountain to move and be cast into the sea, and it'll be done." You can't do that without the power of God residing in you. Amen. Um, in Luke, the tenth chapter. He says, I've given you authority uh, over the enemy. And uh, Mark 16, He says, I've given you power and authority to use. He said, go lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, go preach the gospel. Why? Because the power that I've given you. It's the power that I've given you. The power is on the inside of you. God has deposited His power in us. A lot of people go through life and they don't know they have any power in them. They don't know that the power of God resides right there on the inside of them. It's like living under a bridge as a bomb, but your daddy left you millions of dollars in the account. Your inheritance, but you didn't receive it. We just want to stay down here and hold this sign that says we will work for food. Knowing goodwill, you ain't going to work for nothing. You just want some money. The reason I know that is because I've offered some of them to go to work, and they don't want to go to work. They just want you to give them $5. And I ain't, I ain't above helping them. I help them all the time. I'm just, I'm just being plain right here talking. The power has been deposited in you. Amen? Yeah. Now, um, I think if you understand this, it's going to help you to pray. That's why we're going over it. And I've got a few points right here. But I want you to close your Bible and don't look at your Bible right now. And if you've got an electronic device, don't use it. We're fixing to do a little test right here. Okay? Now, I want to show you a scripture. And it is in Ephesians. It's the third chapter. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That, that scripture right there is very amazing grammatically. It is an amazing scripture. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Couldn't, he just, couldn't the Holy Spirit just say, Now to him who is able to do all that we ask or think? All is sufficient. All is enough, isn't it? But there's, there's some adverbs there. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly. Wouldn't that have been good enough if he just said to do exceedingly all that we ask or think? That would have been enough. Exceeding all that you could ask or think. Exceeding all. But he says, no, that don't describe the Godhead good enough. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. could we stop right there and just say abundantly all? Do we ask or think? He says, no. It's going to take a little more than that to describe God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's an amazing scripture. If you just stop, sit here and think about it for a moment exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Because all is enough, isn't it? So here's the question I've got for you. If He's able to do this, then why doesn't He? Why doesn't He? Well, we don't have our Bibles open and nobody's looking at their phones. What's the rest of the Scriptures say? Does anybody know? I knew she was going to say that. I knew she was. She could probably quote something out of like Ezra or something. Habakkuk. According to the power. There's your answer. There's your answer. Let's put the whole scripture on there. According to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. If he's able to do it, why doesn't he? Because the answer is right there. According. And I looked the word according up in the Greek, and it, the word's kata, which means to measure out or to distribute measure out or distribute according to the power that he works in us so in other words he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us according to what we measure or distribute out so how much god how much of god's power are you distributing to your situation how much of God's power are you currently distributing to your situation? Because He's already, He's already deposited unlimited power in us. His unlimited power is limited by us. God's unlimited power is there, but His unlimited power is limited by us. He's able to do above all, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think. Amen? Amen? So here's the question. Am I going to measure and distribute it? Are you? Ask yourself. How much of God's power am I going to distribute? Am I going to measure out or distribute out to my family? How much of God's power that resides in me am I going to distribute out to my situation that's before me? to this sickness that's before me, to this relationship problem that's before me, for my child that's ill that's right here before me, how much of God's power that dwells in me am I going to distribute out? Because it's there. It's ready to be distributed. Amen? But His unlimited power is limited by what you and I are going to distribute. And we've got to release the power of God. And you know how we release the power of God? We release it through prayer. We release the power of God through prayer. Amen? Now Jesus used an analogy of a river, and everybody's seen a the river. There's some big ones, and there's some that are about dried up. In fact, where these ladies are from, right across the street from them, about this time last year, I guess it was this time last year. I'm not sure, but some time back, I was going by there daily, and it kept going down, 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 down. It was wider than this building. It was very, very wide and had some depth and over a period of time it turned into a creek no wider than from me to this front row. So, looking at yourself as a river, are you the little, have you dried up to just a little trickle? Or is this a flowing river? In John the 7th chapter, this is a good one. This is a good one. I want you to to latch hold of this, listen, pay attention. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you believe on him, as the scripture said, something has been deposited in you, it's called the power of God. And guess what? Out of your heart flows the rivers of living water. Where's it gonna flow from? Out of your heart. Why? Because that's where it's been deposited. It's in there. But he spoke this concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive, for the Holy Spirit has not been given yet because Jesus had not been glorified. And this feast right here, these religious people, they're gathered together at this feast. And for seven days, they would pray for living water. Is a feast in Jerusalem, and every day they would pray for water. The living water, just like when Moses went up and hit the, hit the rock, that's prophetically speaking of living water. And in, in Zechariah prophesied, he said, Living water will flow again out of Jerusalem. And they knew that because they knew the Scripture. So they would gather together once a year at the feast, and for seven days they would pray for living water. And if they didn't get living water by the uh, eighth day, then they would just pray... For rain. They would just settle for rain. In other words, we're not going to get the living water. We prayed for it for seven days, so now we'll just settle for rain. And it wasn't nothing more than just a big religious show because they got together, got drunk. A bunch of immoral acts took place. So this time, right here in Scripture, this, this feast, they had prayed for seven days. This big religious show that they've been, put, they've been putting on. And on the eighth day is the day they're just going to pray for natural rain because we didn't get the spiritual rain that He promised. So now we're going to pray for regular rain. There's nothing wrong with praying for regular rain, especially if you're in the south. We usually need it. Amen? But the way they went about it's wrong. And on the eighth day, Jesus stood up on the eighth day, and He says, I'm going to read it again. He stands up on the eighth day, cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. This living water that you've been praying for, it's here. It's here. I'm it. I'm standing right in front of you. And then he said, if you believe in me, as the scripture said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And this was he spoke this concerning the Spirit, who those who believed in him would receive. Do you believe in him? And do you believe according to the Scripture? Well, you've received it. It's in you. How much power is flowing out of you? The power's there. I used this the other night on Wednesday night. We we're doing a little teaching. We we're talking about a water faucet. See, so many people are probably praying God, turn on the water faucet. Turn the faucet on well, you should be praying. Release the power because the faucet's down here on your end. And some people put more uh, faith in the hot water at your house than you do the power of God being released in your life. 'Cause I guarantee you we'll turn that thing on at my house, in my bedroom. It takes so long for the hot water to get there, I'm wondering if the hot water tank's at my neighbor's house. I wish the power meter was over there so he could pay my bill. But it's not, it comes. Man, it was high this month. Dear Lord Jesus. If anybody wants to give you give you preacher a tip, I'll take it. I'm just kidding. The more faith in that, we'll turn it on and I'll just wait. I know it's coming. And I know it is. I do it every day. Take a shower every day, believe it or not. And I just wait on it. And I just wait on it. And I just wait on it. Boom, there it is. It comes. And the thing about prayer is, we turn the water spigot on and we go, ooh, it's cold and we quit. We quit and we go looking for another way to get out of the situation. That didn't work. Oh, it's still cold. And we quit. Today, what we're talking about is, why, why don't you stop praying? That's basically the title of It's prayer part four. But basically, why keep praying? That's what I'm trying to say. Why keep praying? The water's cold. Why keep waiting? Just like the song we sang, we wait for you. Why? Because it's coming. You just got to stay with it. Just keep the faucet open. Don't cut the faucet off. Don't say that's cold. Just cut it off. No, it's coming. The hot water's coming. You just got to sit there and wait on it. Just stay in prayer. Amen? Just like the song, we wait for you. We wait for you. You shouldn't quit, and I've been guilty of this. Uh, I have been guilty of this, man. But you shouldn't. You, you should not quit or give up on something you believe in. I mean, you are praying for somebody, you believing for something, and you stand there with the spigot open and it's still coming cold. And you just walk off and leave it. You should never quit on something you believe in. You believe God's word. Do you believe it's true? Do you believe these promises in here are true and belong to you? If you really did, you wouldn't quit and you wouldn't walk away. You keep standing. I've done it. I was praying for a fella to receive salvation. Well, I guess for every day for over a year or two, it's been a while. And then one day, he just point blank looked me in the eye and said, "It is not going to work. It is not going to work." He just said, I love you, I'll help you, I'll do anything in the world for you. And he's proven that. But I don't believe like you, and I'm not going to. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. And I left very discouraged. I quit praying for him. And you know what? The Lord reminded me of it during this series. Why'd you quit? You don't believe my word's true? You don't care about him enough? You don't want him in heaven with you? And conviction. Mm, I've been praying for him every day. Amen. Because his word's not final. And God can do some. There's been a lot of people that said, I won't accept Christ, but they accepted him. Peter denied him three times, and you see how that turned out. Elijah prayed seven times. He didn't quit, He, he prayed seven times. God said it would rain. And when God said it would rain, when God speaks, that's His Word. So why did Elijah keep praying? Because uh, by praying, uh, he prayed to release the power of God so that the Word will be fulfilled in his life. When God speaks, that's His Word. This book right here is full of His Word. We pray that, that the Word will be fulfilled in our life that God's power will be released and the Word of God will be fulfilled in our life. Amen? If you haven't seen it fulfilled in your life, keep praying. He he sent him out there seven times. The seventh time, he said, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. He said, you better get your umbrella. Maybe it would have taken 14 or 20 or 30 or 100 times. I don't know. How many times will he send him out there? How many times will you keep going? We're quick to give up and walk away on God's promises. I know that. Daniel prayed for 21 days. Daniel prayed for 21 days. And Daniel, the 10th chapter and the 2nd and 3rd verse here says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. You know why he was mourning? He was on a fast. And he was eating healthy and exercising. And he was in mourning. Where are y'all at? I mean, eating healthy and exercise, that'll make you mourn, won't it? I mean, I want something good to eat. I'm mourning for the cheeseburger pizza. He said, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three weeks were fulfilled. He didn't anoint himself, that means he didn't take a bath for three weeks. He was mourning, and everybody around him was mourning <laughs> for three weeks. 21 days. 21 days. In the 12th verse, it says, Then He said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have, I have come because of your words. When you speak words, that's prayer. Other translations actually say prayer. But He said, From the first time you spoke your words, from the first time you spoke, the first time you prayed, I was on the way. Right then. Right then. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. In other words, there's a battle in the heavenly realms. He left on the first day, but there's a battle, there's a war going on, a spiritual war going on, and they withstood him, and they opposed him for 21 days. That's what the scripture is telling us right here, which sheds some light on this scripture in Ephesians, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts and wickedness in the heavenly places. He was in a heavenly battle was going on in the heavenlies, in heavenly realms. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. What if he had stopped after twenty days? What if he had stopped after twenty days? And just think about that in your life. You've been praying for X amount of days and you just didn't even know how close you were and you stopped. I think about the guy I was praying for. I, I reflected back on it this morning and thinking the whole time I prayed for him, he wasn't sick the whole time because I was praying for his health. That's the truth. He wasn't sick the whole time. But when I quit, almost immediately he got so sick he had to go and have some kind of sur- surgeries and all this stuff done. Man. What if it had just been one more day? What if it had just been one more day? Everything that we've been provided, everything that we need has already been provided. Everything that we needed done in our lives was done on the cross. Jesus said it's finished. So here's the deal. we got to move it from heaven to earth with prayer. You move it from heaven to earth with prayer. My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will is not being done on earth in every situation. I mean, look around. Look around. But you move it from heaven to earth with your prayers. In Ephesians, the first chapter and the third, blessed be to God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That's all. He says He's blessed us with all, every single spiritual blessing. How many spiritual blessings has He blessed you with? Every single one of them. All of them. He's blessed us with each and every one of them. Sometimes we're waiting on Him to do something He's already done. You see that in marriage a lot. He's waiting on her, and she's waiting on Him. He's already blessed us with each and every spiritual blessing that there is. Why don't I see it in my life? Well, because you've got to move it from heaven to earth with prayer. Nothing happens without prayer. And if you think your doctor's going to diagnose you with a disease and you're just going to go home and sit there and do nothing and, and it's just going to fall out of heaven and hit you, you're mistaken. You're going to have to move something from heaven to earth. I was in a meeting one time about a year ago and they asked a question. If you get a bad report, if you get bad news, if, if these things happen, what do you do? And one of the leaders there said, Well, I don't do anything. I just know God's going to handle it. Hmm. You don't do anything. He said, Speak to the mountain, tell it to be cast into the sea. He said, To pray. Always. Every day. Always be praying. He says, You have not because you ask not. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say, Do nothing. Just sit there. No. You need to receive your inheritance. You need to pray and move it from, from heaven to earth. Amen? Now we're fixing to get into the to a little something right here It's kind of deep. But what I always try to do, and I'm actually not in a prideful statement, but I, I think I'm uh, one of my strengths is taking something that's complicated and, and making it easy to understand. That's what I try to do. And it takes a lot of time studying and reading the Word and getting into things and looking things up because I can understand it myself. Because I can't explain to you something I don't understand. Right? But some of this Scripture right here, you, you get into the Old Testament or you get into Revelations, you're like, ooh, what in the world is this? Right? So you may say, what in the world is this? But I'm fixing to tell you what it is here just briefly. In Revelation, the fifth chapter, the eighth verse. This is pretty exciting. This is pretty exciting. Now when He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Get a hold of that. There's bowls in heaven. The incense smell good to God. We talked about it last week. We talked about the incense. Y'all remember? It's something that's pleasant smelling. He loves the smell of it. we pray and we worship Him. That makes incense. But there's bowls up there full of uh, incense, which are, are the prayers of the saints. So, your prayers are filling these bowls. Think about it. There's a bowl up there for your marriage. There's a bowl for healing. There's a bowl for finances. There's a bowl for relationships. There's bowls for each and every area of your life. And you're praying. It's filling these bowls. You're filling these bowls with your prayers. They're just sitting there. Is it quarter full? Is it bone dry? Is it almost full? Is it just right there at the edge? Just like the 20 days. Daniel, the 20 days or 20... Is it just one more day? And it'll be full. Revelation is the 8th chapter. When He opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. I told my wife last night, I said, I just read a scripture and I'm going to prove to you tomorrow that women aren't going to church. I mean, aren't going to heaven. <laughs> silence for about a half hour, get it? <laughs> but you know, that's not, that's not true. Women are going to heaven. But the real truth is, there's no preachers in heaven. There's not. You don't need any preaching in heaven. There's some ladies that are going to slash my tires now. (laughs) Y'all know I'm teasing. Silence for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints, that's your prayers, my prayers, upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. When the angel took the censure, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth, there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquakes. It's the same fire that fell on Mount Carmel when Elijah was there, it's the same fire on the day of Pentecost. So here's the deal. How, how, full, how full are your bowls? When these bowls get full, when they get filled to the brim, the incense, it says the angel, I'm going to make it simple to understand. These bowls are sitting here, like I just said, just like they're on a fulcrum, ready to tilt over. Y'all seen those things on a fulcrum where water fills up something and it tilts over and dumps into another one, dumps into another one, dumps into another one, like a science project or something like that. It's pretty cool. But it's like these bowls are on a fulcrum and when they get filled up, this angel goes and gets fire. From the throne of God. Because the incense are right there in God's face. It says it gets fire from the throne of God. Adds it to the pr- prayers. And throws it down to earth. And it says when it comes to earth. That there are noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. That means uh, you'll see it. You'll hear it. And you'll feel it. It will affect earth. That's exciting. That there's bowls in heaven waiting to be filled and what's standing in the way of them being filled are you and I and our prayers. Sometimes we get tired from praying. Sometimes we get worn out. Praise to Him. I'll tell you what, y'all just come on up. Y'all come on up. The Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing for in time you'll reap a harvest. Don't grow weary and well doing in time you'll reap a harvest. Don't grow weary in prayer. Just keep praying. Why don't we keep praying? Because you're going to reap a harvest. The same way Daniel kept going. Think about Abraham's going up the mountain. He's going up the mountain. He's thinking about what he's fixing to do with his son. God said, Go up there and sacrifice your son. And we know when he gets on the altar, guess what happens? There's a ram over there that appears in the thicket, and he gets the ram. Well I think about, I visualize Abraham going up the mountain. I the thoughts going through his mind. Can you imagine? But I picture on the other side this rams going up the mountain at the same time. At the same time. Here they go. Abraham's being faithful. I'm being obedient. I'm doing what the Lord said. It don't make sense to me, but I'm just going to keep doing it. Just like praying. I'm just going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. You're praying and you're going up the mountain. And the whole time, here's the answer coming up the other side. At any given point, Abraham could have said, I can't do this. Turn around and ran back down the mountain. He had never known the provision that was coming up the other side. How many times do we do that in prayer? So I said last week, let's start. I challenge everybody to 21 days of prayer. I, don't, I ask for a show of hands, but I hope you've been doing it. I hope you've been doing it. Why 21? Because after 21, it'll become a habit. It'll get in you. It'll change you. you. You'll continue to do it. Thank you for listening to this message from 7 Mile Ministry.